What up? This is Yinkadiz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And it's time for the summer quarterly. We're yes, going to be talking about albums that released in the months June, July, and August from the years 1988, 1993, 1998, and then the new stuff that's coming around this year. And once again, we are joined by our friend Panama. Say what's up <laughs> to the people. Out here chilling, kicking it old school. <laughs> We starting in 1988, so let's definitely kick it old school. Yeah, so we got released June 7th, 1988, the debut album from EPMD, Strictly Business. Thoughts? I would think that you have a lot of positive things to say about that. I mean, we love Eric Sermon. I love Eric Sermon. I love EPMD. This album is very critical. This album, actually, you think so? I think in the context, like I think if you if you take this album and you compare it to what was out around the time, I mean, obviously, look if you're if you're looking at some of the newer stuff, it's Uh obviously going to have better production. But in the context of its competitors, if you will, or Uh its um, its contemporaries, that's a better word. I think that this is probably their strongest album. I think it's groundbreaking, and I think this is almost like a masterclass in like hip-hop that was redone like Mm -hmm. every single record on here is like oh that's nostradamus oh that's this oh Uh, that's every single yeah Yeah, every single record on here uh so that that's the thing that i'll say most about this but it it also definitely sounds like 1988 it does out of out of these three albums that we're going to do for june i would say it sounds the most like 1988 i think that's fair yeah yeah um, i'll agree with that and let me go ahead and hot take this never been the biggest epmd fan that's oh, yeah. I and I don't understand why. <laughs> I there are songs of theirs. It's not on this one. The, my uh-huh. favorite song in theirs is like um So What You Saying. Yeah. Because okay. I that was my introduction to them and I think that's on the next album. Uh-huh. They have classic songs. Mm-hmm. I liked Eric Sermon individually, but I always struggle with the EPMD as a group. Oh, I feel you there. And mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily think that their catalog is all that strong. I think mm-hmm. they have hits. I think that they're one of the folks who have they'd have like a great greatest hits. Yeah. But they don't yes. they don't necessarily have a catalog. <clears throat> of strong albums and i think that you know not to knock old school hip-hop artists Uh but i think that they came out around a time when you didn't necessarily have to be a transcendent mc Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of transcendent mcs that are coming out around this time we're going to talk about one of them later but i think that this is around the time where you could just kind of get on the mic and have fun and they made a career out of doing that and so i think that if you're comparing them to other hip-hop albums other hip-hop artists that have like some serious rhymes and some serious music I can see why you would struggle a little bit with EPMD, but it's got some joints on here. I think Eric as a producer, I mean, we, yeah. we, we, we can't highlight that enough, right? That, that right. propels them to where they need to be. I think another thing that I don't hear other people say, but I observe it is I think Parrish's voice is almost a little similar to like a Rakim. And I think he has like a very like, just his voice has a commanding presence to it. And in a time where Rakim was seen as like the God MC, I think, Parrish was the, you know, the face in terms of as an MC. Right. And then it, eventually they give us the hit squad, right? So right. we have, we get Redman out of this. We get Keith Murray. We get K-Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned him. Sorry. We get DOS Effects, you know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, also their contribution is beyond the EPMD records themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a full appreciation for EPMD while not really caring much about the group. <laughs> I, I, that's kind of how I feel about Run DMC. No argument for me there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I might be blasting this, but no argument for me there. Let's, yeah, let's move right along to uh, Big Daddy Kane, Long Live the Kane, released June 28th. I had this tape. I got this on CD. Yeah. yeah. So um, let me go ahead and just be honest with y'all. Go ahead. I struggled with New York hip hop for a long time. Okay. I was a West Coast head. I, I'm aware of this. We've had this conversation. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of these. 
don't even know what you call them. Whatever these important iconic albums and all yeah. this stuff, I, I just didn't love. Like, I didn't right. love the vibe and the feel of it. I mean, obviously, Long Live the Kane had, had Raw, had yeah. set it off on it, you know Ain't what I'm saying? No no step step classic yeah. songs, you yeah. know what I mean? Like classic songs, but I don't think I fully appreciated Kane uh -huh. until later. You know, the first song, Big Daddy Kane song I knew was Work. Like oh, where wow. he's dancing around, that's I get job done. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first song that I heard of Big Daddy Kane. Like, and I remember going back, like, man, who is this clown? And then, <laughs> and then I go back and I, I got a little more knowledgeable at the time because in '88 I was like nine years old, whatever. Right. So, you know, it wasn't until the early '90s when I really got into it. And yeah, do really, you know. I think from a vocal performance perspective, though. This is actually one of the stronger ones in 88. When you just go that. back and just listen to what he was saying and his command, it. he was killing it. So I went back to get into this album uh, around the same time I went back to get into Coogee Rap, KRS-One, and right. Rakim. And you and I have spoken about that Blaze article that came out. I actually want to say it's about to come out in the fall of, of 98. Okay. And that was when, like, this was at a time when I thought, like, Method Man was everything. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, best. he said that. And then I'm seeing all these different people that I didn't even know about. Uh -huh. I was like, Big Daddy Kane, like, who the fuck is that? So I actually go back to buy this album. Okay. And the only song I liked when I listened to this back in 98 or 99, whenever Ain't I got no it, was Ain't No Half Stepping. Right. But when I went to listen to it recently, I was like, yo, this shit goes. Yeah. This shit goes. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is that uh, Yink and I went to uh, a Wizards game where at the end of it, they had a a concert for like um for like if you, if you went to the game you got to stay afterwards <laughs> and they had a free concert and the yeah. artist there i think the, who opened it up was kumo d then they had big daddy kane then they had slick, uh, rick. slick rick and dougie fresh well, you yeah, can still get it, it. Random. still get it, it done. Was but man big daddy kane was having so much fun yeah. and the ladies in the front were still Yo, loving that him. was they the best part rub it up that all. was the best part about it because you know kane is probably a, a good 50 to 100 pounds heavier yes. than he was at yes. this point in time he still uh, got some agility know, though he, he was he, he was out there moves. and some of the ladies was, was like man I was I mean, like, now nah, I see how he bagged Madonna, yo. <laughs> he was smooth. He was smooth, dude. Like, even, yeah. you know, yeah, I, long live the king. So, but uh, cool, go cool. check this out if you're a fan of uh, old school hip hop. This is definitely one of the pivotal albums that you want to listen to. Yeah. The next one we got released the same date, June 28th, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation. And yeah. I know that I've... I think that when people talk about, like, a golden era of hip hop, it's hard to really pinpoint it because, you know... How exactly do we want to define Golden Era and what events do we want to use to say it's part of it? But I think that I have heard from some arguments that they say that the Golden Era of hip hop kind of starts right around this time. And mm -hmm. it's with this album, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation. That's fair. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I go back to listen to it. And it's interesting because I actually think it's a very solid piece of music. It's very mm -hmm. polished. The production is, is really good. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I actually think that this music around this time this release is probably aged a little bit better. I mean, this is, it sounds very dated, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, because you got mm -hmm. the Bomb Squad doing what they're doing. And then I don't necessarily think the style of music aged well, but it's like, as great as it is, it feels very much in that moment. I think for one thing, this album sounds like a performance album. Mm -hmm. It's an album that it's just like, I mean, even in some of them, you hear the crowd, you know, yeah. they're giving you the crowd and, um, but um, I think the thing that is wild to me is just how groundbreaking this album is and the fact that it was on video music box and, mm -hmm. and you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. This was this was a mainstream hip hop album release. Yeah. We had these guys, we had X Clan, we had, yeah. you know, people that were like had a message like this and it was put out there next to EPMD Strictly Business and, and Long Live the Kane, right? right? Like I read somewhere that this album was the beginning of when 
they decided to put together this whole clear channel thing okay where they said okay you know they, when these dudes are talking about the revolution will not be televised and they're playing Malcolm X samples on their album it's yeah. like all right we need to we need to get it together and figure out what mainstream really is going to be because right. this is a radical message that's being pushed out in the, on the mainstream airways oh, interesting yeah. interesting points i don't know public enemy is one of those groups that i i love for non-rap reasons right love so I don't care for Chuck D as a lyricist necessarily, fair, but fair. everything Chuck D brings to the table, yes. I love. Like I right. love the messaging, but for me, this album is like the entryway for me and like liner notes, right? Because there's yeah, the yeah, production yeah. was so significant. Like they, yeah, you know, I'm one of the nice. people that loves layer samples. And yeah, one thing the yeah. Bomb Squad did was those dudes the wall of sound and it's about, yes, yeah. it's like really these polished. were music. These were guys who had a music understanding and yeah. were able to take that and put it into an album. They could take yeah. 10, 15 samples and create one. And it sounds like a song. Like that joint was like, it was loud, it was chaotic, but it was controlled. It was like controlled chaos. And that's what Public Enemy was for me. It was like, in the midst of everything going on, they were the group that could give me that type of controlled chaos that I liked. You know what I mean? So, like, bring the noise. Like, don't believe it. Like, those, those, it's crazy how much they were able to get out of those samples. So, when I think Public Enemy, and especially it takes a nation of millions, like, it's like, that for me is an entry point to hip hop because of what it showed me was possible to be done. Yeah. And I learned so much about music and about hip hop from this album and albums like it, like Prince yeah, Paul, no. you know, talk oh, about yeah. that was in that, that, that <laughs> long, you know, I talked about like how much I love those producers who can take a million things and create yeah. one brand new thing in the bomb squad. For me, they did it on this. Then when they took yeah. America's most wanted, like no, all that, you know, man. like I yeah. love the bomb squad. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure, yeah. I think that should should cover that for for Public Enemy. The next one we got July. We got Eric B and Rockem follow the leader. So this is a sophomore LP yeah. from uh, Eric B and Rockem. And in my opinion, I don't think it's as good as Paid in Full, even though the no. production on here is probably a little bit more polished. But I don't think it has as many songs that are as memorable. But the yeah. one that it has microphone fame. Yes, microphone yeah. fame. Before which, I became a team, which is I mean, oh my god. <laughs> I used to love spitting that rhyme. I used to know yeah. the whole thing. Uh, but it, like, that's one of those like hip hop anthems. Yeah. Yep. Like, if you are a student of hip hop and you know you appreciate all the legendary greats and you know like a lot of verses, like I feel like his verse, which doesn't have any hook, it's mm-hmm. just microphone theme from the the average white man. Um, yeah. I forget the actual name of the song. I don't know the song. But, um, yeah. I think it's called Schoolboy Crush. I uh, think it's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but yeah. you know, there's no hook on it. It's just microphone theme. It's just him going. I don't know how many straight bars, but like, yeah, yeah. if you're a student of hip hop, I feel like this is one of the, li- the one of the verses that you needed to know. We talked about like with Paid in Full, how I kind of didn't want to do a whole episode on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the reasons why music in this era, hip hop music in this era resonated with me less than the 90s era is uh, it was super DJ focused, yeah. right? And I mean, like a DJ's cuts would be a whole song. Like you'd have to have a song that was mm-hmm. just for your DJ. In fact, this was an album for yeah. your DJ. Yeah. Follow the leader. We were following Eric B. We weren't following Rakim. I feel like you listen to the production, you listen to these records. Like the, a lot of them are very centered around Eric B's performances, and I feel like Primo was the guy who kind of was able to create like a DJ centric thing that still sounded musical to me. And I feel like a lot of these productions where, you know, the DJ and the MCs was kind of almost like a separate thing or the DJ and the producer was almost like a separate thing. Mm-hmm. And until Prem was giving us cuts where it just it just felt like oh, it's like oh this is still jazz. Like, you right. know what I mean? So I just this I would album say Jazzy Jeff might have been one of those uh Yeah, Jazzy fair, Jeff gets a shout to. Fair. I, I 
I don't know though. I think for me, Primo was where I could have a whole chorus that was just cuts, but it didn't just sound like a DJ just scratching. He actually made vocal phrases right. that I was singing along to the vocal phrases that right. the DJ was performing. Okay. I think Prem was like the master of that. And um, Follow the Leader to me, like it's not an album I really revisit for, for that reason. No, I, I think that's fair. You got any thoughts on it? Nothing. Nothing to say <laughs> um, about it. Outside of Microphone Fiend, I yeah. can't name I think that's fair. another song yeah. on this album. I think they have Follow the Leader, they also have Lyrics of Fury on yeah. there. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I would have never gotten there. <laughs> no, I feel, I feel you. I feel you. But this is, this is to the next I did one. buy this. This is different. Oh, you bought this? I bought all of the old Eric B and Rock M joints. I, yeah, yeah. I do own it, and yeah. I don't think I listened to it outside of buying it. That's fair. That's time I bought it. So we're going to go on to August. August 8th, we got the big one from NWA, the debut, straight out of Compton. So we we made it to the West Coast. I mean, you know, this is is me all day. Um, (laughs) Amazingly, this entire album is only remembered for the first three songs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's terrible songs on this album. It's a classic, but there's there's good ones too, though. No, 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 no. If you release it as an EP, it's still the classic (laughs) straight out of Compton by itself. You know what I mean? Because they were so... Like straight out of Compton, gangsta, gangsta, fuck the police. Those three songs by themselves are so iconic right. in hip hop mm-hmm. that nobody remembers most of the rest of the song. Like <laughs> Dope Man is, I mean, you know, like yeah. like like there's like I love this album for those songs because Ice Cube to me is easily if he dies in '92 is goes down as the greatest writer of all time in hip hop. He just lived too long. I don't agree, but I'm not gonna argue with that either. Uh, uh, same, I'm on the same yeah, page with you, yeah. yo. The funny thing about this is that this is a month and a half, or if that, after It Takes a Nation. Yeah. And Dre will admit to you that he was taking the Bomb Squad's formula. Clearly. And, and I mean, you can hear it, right? Clearly. Like I mean, it, Clearly, it, it, production was absolutely influenced by, by that. Yeah. Like, absolutely. But you know what? The Easy e album actually drops, I think, a month after this, but that was recorded, I want to say, before this album was recorded, if mm. I'm not mistaken. A lot of the stuff. From the Easy album, I think was recorded before Straight Outta Compton, but they released okay. Straight Outta Compton first. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. But Easy's Easy sounds a lot more like G Funk to me than than this. Like sure. Straight Outta Compton yeah, sure. sounds yeah, absolutely. Sure. But yeah. you know, even NW, I mean, not to go on too far tangent, but like Niggas for Life or F4 Zach and Penny doesn't sound G Funkish at all. It mm. just sounds like a beautiful sound bit of, uh, yeah. of samples. Like it's just. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a gorgeous album. Agreed. From start oh, to finish. Yeah. Outside of all the misogyny, murder. Oh um, my gosh. The, themes are the most top. problematic album of all time, by, as far as I'm concerned. And still one of the best. <laughs> still one of the best. <laughs> all right. So we, we made it to 93, right? Yes. And we got. Is this the debut album from Cypress Hill? No. Last nah. Sunday? So no, Cypress Hill Cypress debut album. Was Cypress, Cypress Hill. Hill. So, yeah, oh, that was. Like, yeah. This one had the funky feel when I could just kill a man. Yeah. Insane in the membrane. This had insane in the brain. Insane in the membrane. Yeah. That's, I think, what really brought them to the mainstream, like, made them huge. I think yeah. it was the insane in the brain. Yeah. yeah. So we got Black Sunday, July 20th. What are Yo. y'all thoughts on it? Because I'm. I have listened to this, but you know, obviously Cypress Hill is not one of the groups that I digested like that. I think honestly, some of Cypress Hill is uh, you had to be there. Mm-hmm. Just being a kid in Cali when Cypress Hill was out, like they were huge. And, okay. I, and I think one of the reasons was because, you know, you had Chicano hip hop, which sounded like what it sounded like. And you had like black hip hop and Cypress Hill was they made black people hip hop, but they were supposedly Mexican. We we didn't find out they were Cuban until later. Uh, but um, I mean, cats had Cypress Hill tattoos. Cypress Hill was all over everybody's book bags. Like all the you know the cholos wanted to be Cypress Hill when I was 
Yeah, Cypress Hill for me. So I didn't care much for Black Sunday, Black Sunday album, oh, but yeah? their first album. So how I could just kill a man it is was in 91, juice. right? Yeah, right, how I yeah. could just kill a man is in juice. It's right, in right, right. And I convinced my father to get Cypress Hill for me because I needed that song. <laughs> and um, I remember listening to it, and this is one of those things where I fell in love with Mugs, the producer, because such a beast. The production yeah. on that album was awesome. I didn't care for Cypress Hill when they became stoners. And this, I feel like this is kind of when it became stoner a stoner. Album. This is their yep. stoner album, whereas yep. the first album was definitely like pure hip-hop. And I didn't think they were very good rappers either. I didn't care mm-hmm. for them, but mm-hmm. I loved the music so much that I was able to listen to them. Yeah. But I just felt completely off after that. I 100% agree. This also did become the album that was the cannabis culture album. Yeah, it turned and them into yeah. Cypress Hill that we know. It's the only reason Be Real even matters. <laughs> But, you know, he even I has Be Real it. TV where we just watch yeah. him smoke weed and talk to people. And so. I did not care about this album because the first album to me was so I still listen to that. Yeah. I still listen to that because it was like the production, like Australia, yeah. is super layered production yeah. that I just. There's some good production on here as well. I love the production. I have good production. I listened to it in. When did that come out? 93? 93. I saw the Insane in the Membrane. I haven't listened to this album since 1993. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, just bump this album. It's chill. So the next one we got for 93 is uh, the Alcoholics 21 and Over released August 24th. And I have nothing to say about this because I haven't listened to this. I swear we haven't been sober since 21 and over. I love this <laughs> album. I'm a huge Alcoholics fan. So this is probably more of a West Coast uh, thing, too. I know the, the yeah, licks were definitely heavy West, West Coast. They were heavy. And then this is also, you know, early Mad Lib. There's a record on here that's got Mad Lib and Wild Child from Loop Pack. And yep. they actually mentioned Loop Pack. So Loop Pack is, is Mad Lib's original group. I would almost say this is like frat house rap. Like, I mean, obviously I, I was way too young yeah. to be in a frat house, but the rap, I mean, it's performative, Black dude hip-hop. Rap. Like, it's yeah, yeah, like, I know, I know they're talking yeah. about going to the store and grabbing 40s, yo, I'm smoking, I'm too drunk, uh, whatever. It's um, kind of and, very much like know. the Delta Homo Sapien type. Just right. every man, just nobody's dying on all my records rap for the most part kind of stuff. And it, it's almost like a less backpacky or four elements version in their own way of trying to be like a tribe. I can hear that. Now you have Q-Tip who's a transcendent generational talent. Of course. You know, I would try argue that right. so hard. As a producer? Oh, no. Oh, that's no, what I'm talking producer, about. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Right. So, you know, <laughs> these, <laughs> these guys have E. Swift, who's the, the producer. Yeah, in the yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. And he, to me, is one of the most underrated producers. Yes. He, he was nasty. I would give you that. Absolutely. But he's not, he's not Q-Tip. All right. But dope album. Definitely check that out. Okay, so are we going on to 1998? Let's get it. All right, so we're going to jump to, uh, we got Lord Tariq and Peter Gunn's Make It Rain from June 2nd. And I have not listened to this album. I'm not going to. But it's got the main joint that we like, right? Yeah, so I asked for us to put this on here just for the simple fact that, yo, that was Uptown, Uptown Baby Deja yeah. Vu record was the biggest record it was, in the it world was, when it, it came out. It was. It was It was amazing how huge that record was, dude. I had the single. <laughs> I don't have the album. I bought the I know single, they had, too. I know they had another song that they released yeah. off of this album. It was album. called We Will Ball. Yes. We, we Will, will Ball. ball. <laughs> yeah, yes. It was yes. so corny, yo. I wouldn't go back and listen to it, but that, yeah, that where, record Where the hell too. is Lord Tariq? Oh, man. Uh, last time I saw him, he was on Smack DVD, still in the same projects in the Bronx. And I, you never I, made out I, a sound view? Whatever I'm from I'm sound <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he made it out. But uh and then Peter Guns, of course, is now of love and hip hop fame. We know with we all know the kids, way, man. We know way too much about his personal story. Um, he also had that feature on that Shaq Diesel record. So that was what yes. I was gonna say. Yeah. That was the record that made me actually I went out and bought this album for three ninety nine because it was already in the bargain bin in nineteen ninety eight. But they they had a record with Shaq. 
Twism fam. Uh, it was called like world is and DJ Quick. Yeah, DJ yeah, Quick yeah. produced it. I forget the name of the record, but that record was like so crazy to me. And I thought it was gonna be on this album, and it wasn't. The only other record to talk about on here was there was a record called Cross Bronx, and it had Fat Joe and Big Pun on it. Oh wow! And Big Pun was my guy at yeah. this point in time. So those three records made me go out and spend my three ninety nine to get this album. Uh, Shout out to Lord Tariq. Computer the, the only other thing I got to say is that Shakira really annoys me because oh, the me sample too. that they use at the beginning yes. of the Deja Vu right. is basically the same sample she uses for one of her fucking Hips songs. Hips don't lie. And it was Wyclef doing what Wyclef does, which is... But, but he ruins take, it because every yeah. single time like those horns come on, like I want to actually hear Deja Vu. Uh, yeah. But I know it's not going to be Deja Vu. It's going to be fucking Shakira. The only other thing I'll say about that song is... This came to me in a time where my family was kind of moving around. So like, I think we were moving. Oh, we were moving to the East Coast. We moved to Virginia. Mm -hmm. So at the time we stopped. I'm coming from Cali. We stopped in Chicago to see the family. Right. And then we came to, you know, to Virginia. So I heard four different versions of this record. I don't know if you guys remember, but they basically recorded a version of this record for every region. So there was an LA version that was like Compton, baby, South Central, baby, whatever. They, I did they not had, know this. Then there was a DC version that was like, you know, PG, baby, whatever. Like, I mean, they had a version yeah, for every region. Probably had one in Atlanta. Too. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure we had one in A. <laughs> I remember coming and moving here and hearing it on, on PGC. Really? Uh, they had, they had the, the local version of, of Uptown, baby. So... Anyway, so the same date, June second, nineteen ninety eight, we got Masterpiece MP, The Last Dawn. I actually forget one. Which 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 track is on here? Think them about that was on there. The, hot boys, uh, hot boys and girls. Uh, make it, make them say unto. Yeah, make them say unto. So on the, the reason I wanted to put this on here was because I mentioned that I bought this album and was was, <laughs> I, I ki was killed by him and Carlos. <laughs> so I, I went, I made myself go back and listen to this album again this morning. How bad it's is it? It's actually not as bad as as you would think. Oh, but you um, thought it was awesome. I will, I will one that statement up. Uh, no, no limit album is as bad as people want to make no limit album. Yeah, no limit because <laughs> Beast by the Pound were some great. Beast by the Pound. Beast by the Pound. I went back and I was like, I'm gonna make Outlaw listen to three songs on here. Cause right. so the Hot Boys record was on that the radio. And that, yeah, joint yeah, that, went, that joint knocked. They have a record with Bone Thugs on here where yep. Bone Thugs comes with it. And then Because back then Master P was on top of the world. Like you right. got on yeah. don't let's not forget Master P was on four three two one. With rappers, yeah, with, that's true. With, with DMX, that's right. that's and, true. With, and with and with LL, and that was and with Method Man. Like he was like Master yeah. P got got verses. Yeah, yo. So and then, additionally, this is actually the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that we get to hear Snoop Dogg on uh, No Limit. So Snoop Dogg, you know, is in this transitional phase. He ends up putting out his first album on No Limit, which was terrible. I mean, it's the worst album in his discography, if you ask me. Mm, but disagree. I think the Dog Father's trash. Yeah, I was Dog Father that. is trash, yeah. but it, but it's not more trash than the game I, is to be I, sold. I, I, not I disagree. To be told. I think the title was terrible. I think it was very no limit. It was a very no <laughs> limit yeah. title. But I thought I, I think it took till the, his second album on yeah, no I mean, limit I, where I, he I actually would not die on the put, hill of saying it was a good album. So <laughs> yeah, we should move on. I won't yeah. do that. But but anyway, so Snoop Dogg's appears on I don't know three four songs on here. And at the time, as a kid from Cali who supported No Limit to the degree you could support No Limit, that I you know I thought they were cool. I wanted to hear what Snoop Dogg sounded like on No Limit. And I bought this album. And you know, I don't think it's as bad as I think hindsight yeah. is 2020. And I no, think No, I think that's when, more than fair. When we go back and look, we're like, oh ha. I the, still listen to No, no Limit, Limit releases, dog. I still yeah, listen to No Limit releases. This is not one of the worst ones. <laughs> okay. I'll say that. 
So, uh, yeah, MP the last Don. Next one, uh, you wanted to put this one on. Yeah, so... I'm so excited this is on here. Black Eyed Peas <laughs> Behind the Front released June 30th. I want to get your thoughts first before I kill myself. Bro, I love this album, yo. Yes, this album is it's so really good. There's a primo beat on here, right? Good. No, I think the whole nah, thing is produced well, by Will I Am. Dude, oh, this I album a primo is a monster. Yeah. Like, like the first, Joints the first and song. That's the joint. That, Joints and jam. For one, that's dope. Then the the um. Well, the the main one we be, we be falling up, never yes. falling down. That mm. is the sample love, from dude. George Ben from uh, Comanche, Bro. which is uh, mm. the Black Is Beautiful album, which I actually have on vinyl. The um yeah. the version that they did of the Jamaican funk the remake yeah. that is yes oh yes. my god I, yes. I still listen yes. to that joint I love this album this album is bomb as hell so, so, I gotta be the guy so, that hasn't heard this album yo, I remember Joy it is Jams such a good album so, so I bought this I bought this in New Orleans by the way I, I was in New Orleans when this came out me and my folks went down for Essence Festival oh, that yeah. weekend and I bought it out of a Tower Records yeah. in New Orleans and off the strength of just the fact Trans- that it was yeah. like listed as must buy albums or whatever I copped it I was like yo this joint is so good All right, so this. This is what we're gonna do. Okay. We are gonna have to do a put you up on this album. And the reason why I say is this is because good? I think so. I really I like it. Yeah, because I'm when, when we were going to do yeah. this list to say, hey, these are the albums that we needed to cover, uh-huh. um, I said, oh yeah, Black Eyed Peas uh, behind the front. And you're like, nah. Uh-huh. I was like, wait, what? You, yeah. I, I the was production is so good on this album. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I, it we, is amazing. We, we talk sometimes about certain soundtracks and things that I'm the only person that's ever heard in the whole world. Yeah. Bullworth soundtrack being one of them. I've heard that. Who's out there? The Bullworth. The Bullworth. Oh, I have soundtrack. that soundtrack. Yeah. And, and that soundtrack. Joints and Jams is on that soundtrack. So that's actually the reason I was familiar with it. And they played it on the radio some, and I heard it on here, and it was just kind of like, oh, some hippity hoppity guys. So, well, so here's yeah. the thing, right? If you all are not familiar with old school Black Eyed Peas, they did not always sound oh, the, I know. the pop group. Easy, and I actually, easy, easy, yeah, easy, 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 yeah. that was easy, easy group. Yeah. And, and I actually like some of their pop records. I don't like Fergie, but I actually like mm. Will I Am as a as a pop producer. I think yeah, he's very, very talented. Very but on this, it's like, look, here's the thing. I don't think that they're lyrically all that talented. Of course but not. but when you hear them, they're dancers who the, rap. Yes, yeah, but when you yeah, hear sounds, them, their flows right. are actually good enough that. You don't really have to pay attention to what they're saying because they sound good on the mic. So and the beats are so good. So what you're saying is it. there were trap rappers before we had trap rappers. Fair. Fair. <laughs> or, or I if guess you, if you, m- I understand m- the analogy. <laughs> I understand the analogy. But no, I, I think they're very serviceable on this on this album. They like are. it's they it, it's like you know how when you listen to um Living proof, like you be wanting to punch mm, people for yeah, the fact that yeah, Nas ain't on them joints. Yeah. You don't feel that way about this because yeah. the sound is so different. Yeah. It's such a different sound with the type of production. Yeah. It's very smoothed out, very jazz heavy, but yeah. it's also Knox. Like, yeah, Will I Am is a really good producer. Yes. Like, yeah. And you can tell they have live musicians oh, yeah, in the studio can, too. These, are, these like, are some. This like, was before yeah. Soul Quarians were doing everything. It was mm-hmm. like, look, you had the roots as a hip hop group, but like. Yeah. You know, I, it's very so, tribish, but with I think, you know, like Q-Tip would find the perfect sample, right? right. Like, and I think Will I Am was very good about finding that perfect sample, but even more turning it more musical. Yeah. Like he that's what I think. I think I don't think he finds the perfect sample. I think what Will I Am is really good at is actually taking whatever he does have and making it musical. Yeah, he musical. Like, yeah. I, like for example, when he did the hip hop is dead, uh, the was it butterfly mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Uh, sample mm-hmm. over again, right? Like it's like oh the Iron Maiden he, joint, right? Yeah. it's like he yep. he takes sample. stuff that's like, and then, but then he kind of yeah. flips it in his own way. Like he does a good job of adding music and you know kind of flipping something his own way. Dude, he produced but, a lot of stuff on wait, the game documentary. Yeah, the the the, on the um, game the documentary too. It's the Doctor's Advocate. No, that no, was, I'm talking about the games. The, the latest one that he put out, Game Two, uh, okay. which that album is fucking 
brilliant. I think the doctor's but advocate production on is, that joint. I think the doctor's advocate is brilliant. I think the two Will I Am records on there. Yeah, I, I am a huge fan of Will I Am as a producer, but yeah. I love this album. For right, I'm, good. I'm glad that right. Panama is co-signing it because you can have yeah. me nervous. And because oh, I, I wanted to go back to listen to it, so I was like, Nah, this is it's, this yeah, is it's, it's a good album. Like I said, I never heard I it. Listen to that when I get in the car. I heard joints and jams. The last thing I'll say about it, and we have another record on this list that I feel the same way about, was this was a time period where b boys were still a thing in hip hop, mm -hmm. and there was some hip hop music that was really just oriented for the dancers. Yeah, and when I heard Joints and jams. That's how it felt to me. I was like, was, "Oh, this is this is for this is for you." Have you seen the video? Yeah. video. I wasn't a b boy, so the records that were I was trying to do my b boy thing for yeah. b boys. I was like, "Oh, that's a b boy record." Boom, yeah. I'm over here. You know right. what I mean? Right. Peep that in the future. We're gonna do a put you up for this okay. album. Sounds so good. released the same date. We got Death Squad El Nino released. June I bought 30th. with that album. So oh, you bought them together. I bought them together. We're not gonna go too in depth into it because we actually have an entire podcast dedicated to it. Did we do a make it a classic? We did a make it a classic for this record right. but if you have yeah. any thoughts panel please feel free to share i love this album the intro yeah, dun, 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 the way that the way that album opens oh, up that's I, the, like, uh, yeah. I know y'all just checking me out yeah, yeah, yeah dude yeah. the way it opens i'm like yo yeah. and i so i really like this album i i liked keith murray i like uh, i like i like them as a unit i thought they were fun yeah. they i were. enjoyed the music so um, outlaw said something that i thought was really unique on that episode he said they gave us the first shake record in full cooperation. Yes. And if you listen to full cooperation, you could definitely haul of shake. You could definitely haul of shake to that beat. I was like, wow, that's interesting. That's, that's, that might be true. But, that could uh, yeah, be true. Dope album. All right, so we're going to move on to another album that we've already covered. Released July 7th, 1998. We got Nori's debut album. Nori. Yeah. So we actually did, I'm not sure if it was a tribute or a put you up. It was I feel a like put you up a, that I just mislabeled. All right. All right. Yeah. I was going to say, you can put a fast one on me then. All right. But yeah, so we, we covered that one in depth. So if, you, if you're interested. I mean, I love that album. I, I'm trying to figure out how to work band from TV into my wedding. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm, I need to come out the band from TV. Like it's, we, it's got to be. We waxed poetic we did. on we band did. from we TV. We did. That joint is so perfect. It's, it's it is a perfect hip hop record. Yeah. The one thing I said there that I'll repeat is. Um, was Drag on, that, on that song? No. Nah. No, no. He, he did a freeze. Nature. Uh, uh, nature. Nature. Cam, Jada. And who, who, who opens it up? Because Cameron murders. Nature. Nature. Nature opens it up. And murders it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Big pun is on there. Regardless of rain and snow, sleet or hell, I kick street tails, choking niggas like I'm free. That's, oh, that's, that's nature. Yeah, okay, nature. so that damn, that's nature. Yeah, man. I, that's dude, my favorite I, nature that, verse. It's my, it's my, it's my favorite. I love that, yo. Like he murders that. My father's features. So I'm the one thing I'll say about that song, which I, which, which I'll repeat <laughs> from the previous episode, but I, I was gonna say that if I had to think of like top five New York songs from that era, it would definitely make the final cut. Like it, yeah. it just epitomizes New York hip hop. Like that song was great. So the story, which I told on Nori joint, but I tell it again, was uh, apparently. This is early Swiss beats. Swiss, you know, people didn't right. really know him like that. But Nori was giving him a shot. He he had a, a million beats. He said this was back in the day where you know, like you would come and you would work with a producer and they would they would right. make you something. But he said he came to Swiss and Swiss had like a hundred beats he had already made, and this was one of them. And that was the intro. So it was a beat that Swiss had done all this great musical shit with, and Nori was like, okay, yeah, just cut it. We just want the intro. <laughs> it works. So then, so he it looped works. the intro. And then you get this record that they were going to record on. Big Pun was newish in the game right. and, was, and wanted to be on anything Nori was making. But Nori didn't want him on this record because he already knew he was going to put Jada and, and Styles on it. So he was sleeping in the studio. Nori left. 
came back and puns had already recorded something on it. So you heard the verse and was like, dang, I can't delete this. This is amazing. And you know, the rest is history. You get one of the greatest posse cuts. It is. He's so bad. He's so bad. We talk about that on the Nori episode. We don't need to talk about it again. So we'll move along. Do we want to talk about Beast Boys or not? Just to say that Intergalactic was huge at the time. And it was another record to me that it came out. It was a B-boy record. All the dancers used to dance to that record when it came on. And I did not really care too much for it. Yeah, we got Hello Nasty from Beastie Boys released July 14th. I don't really have much to say about it, but Beastie Boys are a legendary hip hop group, so gotta mention it. I never liked the Beastie Boys that much. That's fair. That's fair. So yeah, we can move right along. We got Cameron's debut album, Confessions of Fire, released July 21st. I want to hear Panama's thoughts on this one. You know I love Cameron, so you (laughs) know what I mean? Like, I love 357. I love Horse and Carriage. I do not like, think that this album is good. I and I did not think, I think it's got a terrible cover picture. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the cover looks that's, terrible. That's a, that's a I pause. wish he, he wants to do that one over again. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast uh, recently, and we, we talked about this. This is one of the reasons I wanted to do the NORE album. They talked about how they think this album is a classic. And multiple, a few people in the room were saying that Cam's in their top 20 MCs of all time. Both of those things I think are wilding. <laughs> like, do not agree at all. But some people think that this is a, a classic album. And so for folks that love this album, I would love to hear them defend it. I'm gonna stay out of this conversation. Go ahead, Panama. <laughs> so here's my thing. And, and, and I don't know that I would call this a classic album, though I do think this is our first real intro to what Cameron can do, right? And I know sure. there's some question about what Cameron can do. Right, right. I enjoy Cameron <laughs> yes. as a rapper, as a personality. Mm. When Cameron decides to really get at it on the mic, I think he's almost better than anybody else because uh, he he look I think his swag good, levels but... and the way that he delivers things. Like he's a okay. he's a performer. Like he's he a full fledged performer on the microphone. So like right. when I think of like Kanye West gone, like when mm. I think when he gets on the, like he when he's in it. When he's in it, he's in it. And then right. he, but a lot of times he just has fun. Like he just doesn't mm. like he's he knows it's all a game, so he doesn't care. He definitely didn't think it was a game on this album. Records like D Rugs, which are supposed to be very heartfelt records. I, listen, I, I, I get what, <laughs> what he was trying to do. Yes, but that Fair interpolation enough. of that Curtis Mayfield record. Look, I don't think it's a classic album. <laughs> I really enjoy Cameron more than I like this album. Yeah. I really like 357. I enjoy Horse and Carriage just because Oh, I enjoyed Horse and Carriage so much. It's such a song. fun... It's such a period piece. Yeah. Like, yeah. when I hear it, I'm like, I'm transported to 1988. It's so dumb. Like, it's so yeah. dumb, but it's so fun because, like, yeah. who else could make those records? Like, who else can do what Cameron does? There's nobody... Yeah. That even the the rappers that have fun like the Redmans and the Looters they can't do it. But you don't like think that. you don't think Horse and Carriage a record that the beat and hook were already on mm-hmm. could have existed without Cameron. I don't think it's memorable without Cameron. Mm. I think Cameron. That's the one where he Cameron, says uh, is a Puerto Rican Juno. Yes. Yeah. And then he says, I, uh, I mean, the Juno. The, the, yeah. the reason I say yeah. that is because right the same year we get, um, or it might be the same year. I think it was. Um, we get Jay Z and Jermaine Dupri. Money ain't a thing, right? The two records aren't super comparable right. records, right? But 
But you know, where you have a record that's just a lot of energy, Jermaine Dupri put it out there, and then you had another artist who, at the time, we didn't even really know Jay was gonna be the the mainstream kind of you know guy that he became. But you know, I, I think you get a good vocal performance from anybody, and they could carry horse and carriage. I could put out horse and carriage, and people would still love it. It's nah. just it's a it's <laughs> a, no. What, what I'm saying is it's the beat and the hook you that make do, that no, song. You look, you're a you good rapper. You would be fine. At what I'm, oh, no, I'm saying not talking is, about me. I'm just talking about oh, any I'm any look, person. Well, you happen to be a rapper, <laughs> right, so I mean, right, you right. said I could do that. So I mean. It's a little okay. different what you All said. Right, so you you could do that. I used to rap too. I've been on the radio before. All right. So like it's it's I'm just saying I think yeah. Cameron brings something to the table that not a lot of other people bring to the table. So I don't yeah. like to discount that even though I think yeah. it's easy to discount Cameron because he's such a mm. clown sometimes. Yeah. No, I think I didn't really respect Cam until after this period. I remember when I the moment I said, "Wow, this guy's like really a serious rapper." And it was when Dragon and, and the Rough Riders came out and they were huge, and then Cam came with Let Me Know. And he had it, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with this song. song oh, you fly, you high, he was, he was like, and the funny thing is, Dragon to me doesn't sound like Cameron. Like they have a, a, a vocal hear, I can tone, hear a bit of, yeah, yeah. but Dragon definitely didn't steal Cameron's style. Like Dragon actually legitimately has a stuttering problem. And like, that's just the way he talks. Like it's not, it has nothing to do with him trying to be he like just Cameron. sounds like him. But, you know, you said some artists kind of need the boogeyman. Like that was the boogeyman that he needed where he came and I was like, oh, this guy really can rap. And then, you know, from there we got later to really understand who Cam is. But this album, I just don't think is a great album personally. The one yeah, thing I'll have to say it. before yeah. we move on is I feel like Confessions of Fire, the actual song itself was kind of like a precursor to a lot of what Eminem was doing, which is like mm. that crazy, oh, I'm killing everybody and then killing myself and oh, look at my intestines or just whatever, like whatever, yeah. whatever random Necro. shit he was talking Necro about. Necro rap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That so, was a thing in 98. So anyway, um, <sighs> yes. he loves this album. Yes, yes. He's so excited so about this one. We've got uh, from <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan, we've got The Swarm uh, released July 21st and <sighs> Look, I'm not going to say it's one of their strongest albums. We're obviously not going to do an entire episode for although right. I probably could. But <laughs> that is amazing. It's got 97 mentality on it. So for me, obviously, I'm a big Wu-Tang Clan fan. Yep. And this was actually the first album that I bought as a bona fide fan, like as it was released. Mm. So like when I got into, you know, the Method Man albums, right? Like they were released before my time. So mm -hmm. this was the first one like, okay, I'm a Wu-Tang Clan fan mm -hmm. and this album is released. Yeah. So obviously that's one of the reasons why it's near and dear to my heart, but also like, look, you've got some featured appearances from some Wu-Tang affiliate members that probably aren't, aren't as strong, yeah. but I like some of the gritty things that they did on this, particularly RZA. The standout track for me, uh -huh. my taste is uh, Execute Them. That baseline on there is fucking mm -hmm. insane. I love the way Master Killer works with Inspector Deck. I could talk a lot about this album. We don't need to. Panama probably won't have anything to Man. say. Yika, I'm curious oh. what your thoughts are. Yo, there were some things production-wise that they did on this album that actually blew me away. At the time, I was already, you know, I respected the Wu. I liked them. I liked a lot of things. I, w I think you were kind of squarely in the Wu sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, Wu sounds cool. I like this too. I like this too. You know, so I wasn't really squarely there. And as a result of that, I remember the first time I listened to, to this album through, I was like, this sounds like unpolished, you know, like I, like I was like, this kind of sounds like they didn't really do a, an excellent job of mixing it, like, you know, and then I listened to it a, a few more times and I was like, wow, like, you know, kind of like the first time you hear enter the, the 36 chambers, right? Mm -hmm. Like just the first time you hear it, you're like, wait, the snaps are kind of offbeat. 
then you listen to it again and you're like, that's ingenious. Like the snaps are offbeat. You know what I mean? It was kind of like it took me a couple times to listen to the swarm to really appreciate it for what it was. But I agree with you. I think it was a really good album. I think that it was such a stark contrast to everything else that we were hearing released yeah. around that time. And the other thing too is that like if you liked the early Wu Tang stuff, right? So, you know, Third Six Chambers, to Cow, Liquid Swords, only built for Cuban Links, and then you heard Wu Tang Forever and you didn't like that which obviously you know Yink and I do but if you didn't like that then you definitely weren't going to like this because yeah. this was RZA getting even more experimental right, right. he was still taking the soul samples but he wasn't necessarily taking the melodic stuff yeah. he was getting like a lot of like groans and screams yeah. on the records and doing some weird things yeah. and then mixing it with his synth which was sounded really really dark and I think a lot of people weren't weren't really used to that but for me my ears adapted to it so I love this program album. fat bass lines on Novation if he you was, got anything to say about it, I'm curious, Panama. I don't even remember this album. That's fair. Dang. All right, then. You remember the the Mac is Back by Prodigy? Yes. Remember that nickel and the nail? Yes. The first time I ever heard that sample was on this. They have oh, like a exciting. really dope sample of that where he just takes the, oh, yeah. And it just goes over and over again. He puts a bunch of instruments on it. Crazy. I wish Amen. that we actually had a video for this so you could see the level of disinterest <laughs> coming from Panama. He cannot wanting... wait for us to, to just move right, on. He doesn't even care right. what we talk about next. Oh, that's so, so true. The next one we are going to talk about is uh, E40's Element of Surprise released August 11th, which I can't talk much about. because What is on this album? So yeah. the only thing I know about this is it has, I hope I don't go back to slanging yayo and it was a double bit disc. So I'll, I'll talk about this. Go ahead. This song was the kind of E-40 really creeping into LA. I remember us in Cali, and, and this was around the time that I had just moved from LA to Virginia. Mm -hmm. But like this record was out around the time that I, I was moving. And um, I just remember like, I hope I don't go back comes out. We think the Bay is weird. I think that a lot of people don't realize that like, LA and like like Southern Cali and Northern Cali are like two different states. Well, what about Too Short though? Because so Too Short is We from... like Too Short. But Too okay. Short predates Too Short. Yeah, pre okay. yeah Too right, Short right, was yeah. everybody liked Too yeah, Short. Too like, Short was the South in New liked York, them, like New York liked them. But E40 was like kind of an acquired taste for a lot of people. And, I understand that. And a lot of us in LA, he was definitely an acquired taste. I hope I don't go back to slang and yeah, yo, was just the beat was just so smooth, the hook was so smooth, you know, the sample. And that was the record that kind of crept E40 into where Southern Cali, we really like really embraced him. And so that's why I remember that record. But this was a double disc and I don't remember any of the other songs on it. We were very big into E40 down south. Like okay. West Coast music was very popular from the Bay to LA, very popular in the south. I I never liked E40 that much. I like mm. E40 songs. Like of course I like, you know, Captain Save a Ho. I love that. And I love I love Hurricane with, you know. Hurricane. Like, I, I love that song. You know, like there are songs of his. Yeah. I love Tell Me When to Go. You know, I love but E40 as like a whole artist I could yeah. never get into. He was yeah. the off-kilter style was just too much for me. Yeah, I think I one thing I will say about him though is you know, this was around the time, obviously, we all super appreciate Master P as a businessman. Sure. And oh, then definitely. Master P's giving it up to the Bay and he's saying, yo, you know, um, Too Short and E-40, these are guys that taught me how to slang out of my trunk. And so we had a lot of respect for E-40 just for who he was as a businessman at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate, look, he's contributed significantly to hip hop and to the game as a whole, but yeah. hard sell for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we're going to move right along to uh, another one released August 11th. This one's we've, big. We've got Funkmaster Flex Volume 3. And this one might actually even be big enough to do an entire tribute. But yeah, this, I, I consider this on rotation for a long time. I, do, long do time. You, did you, were you in the camp of Funkmaster Flex Volume 3 being a really important album or not? Yeah, I mean, I still remember the, the album cover. Like, I remember yeah, seeing it in yeah, stores and stuff like that. And I remember Wild for the Night on it. And, yeah. you know, like, I, because I, I love that. Joint. Yeah, like, I, you know, like, I love certain songs. This is back when buying these in stores was a thing, too. You know, yeah. you go cop that clue or that, yeah. that you know, that that stuff. So, yeah. um, kind of can't stand Funk Master Flex in general. But, That's fair. Yeah. You know, but I, I will give credit where credit was due back then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you had so many dope joints on there. So, I mean, so many dope You had, yeah. like, DMX verse on here is dope. Mm. Common. Ain't No Nigga was on there. And, and right, he yeah. cut a few records, yeah. like Get Money and Ain't No Nigga, that were records that were out that we also got to hear a little bit of that there. And I think that's what, what pulled me in to buy it before the freestyles was just the records that he had on there. I ended up listening to it and realizing that you only get like a minute and 20 seconds yeah, for each right, of those yeah. records. But, um, and then he had like some really dope artists freestyling over records that we were also familiar with. I like You Karen get Mariah Carey over uh, oh, Shook uh, Ones too. Yes, 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 uh, yes. You know what I mean? Like records like that. You even so. had um, Erykah Badu um, was also over... Um, Hell on Earth. Hell, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. So yeah, I, I, I really, I loved this album. I listened to this album a whole bunch of times, and this was around the time where you know, Master P is giving us twenty-seven cuts an album. Like you know, you're looking for some bang for your buck because the price of albums are going up. They're really expensive, and then Funkmaster Flex gives you an album that has a hundred songs on it, and it's by artists that you're interested in, and you're like, oh, I'm buying. Be it's clear, dope. I'm it's a dope. southerner. We were all in on twenty-seven records. That was a lot of bang. <laughs> that was a lot of bang for the buck down south. You know, bro. that's what I'm saying. That's why I, I like like a Funkmaster Flex album, or even even the Clue joints that had enough and a lot of different artists on it. I was gonna go buy those because they seem like more of a value. Yeah, Tony Toka. I remember when Tony oh, touched that Tony touched. Yeah. Crazy, it though. was. That uh, the the peacemaker, uh, peacemaker. Really yeah, that was. Yeah. Fire. That actually, that was yeah. But that flex was was fire. Again, like you said, though, he was annoying on it. Like he was like one. He was. I, I hate his main voice. DJ I hate you wanted yeah. to just shut up. Like, just I, stop but talking. you know, I think because I'm from the south too, where that DJ culture wasn't as um, mm. prominent. Yeah, like it, the DJ. I mean, it's, it's important. Don't get me wrong. Like we got southern DJs that matter. You know what I mean? But it wasn't. They weren't the show. Yeah. And folks like Funk Flex and. I mean, Clue wasn't as terrible as Flex to me, but Flex wanted DJ to talk Clue. all at the beginning of the joint. Yeah, Clue's voice was annoying too, but he kind of just like capped things. Whereas Flex would be like, "Yeah, you know what I'm saying, fine, you train yeah, the just, Like, shut he's up. He's just too much, man. Like, I just can't. <laughs> I can't appreciate Funk Flex. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, so yeah, so we can move on. Another one yeah. released the same date, August 11th. We've got First Family for Life from uh, MOP. What is I MOP? Just, is it I Meta just, Power? What is it? Mash Out Posse. Posse. Is that what? Oh, I yeah. know that. That's I've never been Posse. a big. That's their crew. I've never their been a big Mash Out Posse. Yeah. <laughs> that's another one of those joints like <clears throat> the Lost Boys, where it's like you come from a crew that niggas know in the streets, and you're just a couple people that right. rap in yeah, your yeah. crew. <laughs> but uh, I, I just wanted to talk about this because it has Four Long Blades. On it. Yeah. And that's like around the time Jay's doing all these kind of guest appearances and he's he comes on this and uh, man, I think MOP is so underrated. I think the problem for me is that I have an issue with anyone who just 
sounds the same on every single record. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And to me, they were like Fair. a one trick pony, and I, yeah. I get tired of it. They were just really good at that trick, yeah. though. Like, oh, you just awesome really felt violent. Yes. Listen, <laughs> it, it, was just, Yo. it was just pure nihilism with MOP. Yeah. Like, you don't and, want no mama record from MOP. And that's and that's the reason why when they really finally got one with uh, what's Annie the, the Annie Up, up yeah. joint, like, it's like, it's that record energy, is pure yeah. energy. Yeah. You hear that record, and you want to throw yourself but here's into the thing, a wall. Like, here's the thing, though, right? One of the things I loved about that record, and we're gonna get it's distracted from you know the first family for life, but right. when we talk about Annie Up, right? Uh-huh. That was a big joint in the club, and for me, I loved it when I heard that intro. But then it was Busta Rhymes who mm, came in because like Busta Rhymes now, MOP now. It's like, oh okay, I'm getting something different. I'm not listening to the same MOP I'm hearing on every single track. So I just I need a little bit of variety, man. I just it's fair. I mean, I'm not I'm not into MOP fan. One of my boys is like a. MOP to the death fan like he uh, just okay. loves that I love these dudes but I think a lot of it is is just how underrated they are um, and they have whole albums especially the Warriors album that's like yeah, produced, by, dope, yeah. produced by produced by DJ Premier like yeah. so you get you know them which I think they're dope I really like fame dance is cool too and then I can't you know, tell you production <laughs> I'm not even joking like even as a, a hip hop right. I'm, I'm thinking I'm fairly in the hip hop head camp I'm, I always struggle with who's it so I you just got, know that the MOP are the ones that Biggie shouts out on the warnings, like, yeah, nah, then my niggas, nah, I love when But they're gonna be like 60 making the same records, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. it's, it's, yo, and then and then Fox. Uh that, that's uh, like the girl. No, there's a girl oh, named Fox oh, who yes, she's like yes, their yeah, quote unquote manager slash hype woman. She's rougher than all of them. I got my money on Fox against anybody out here in okay. these streets. Um the one thing I will say for MOP is I don't know if y'all remember, but Dame Dash had that show called The Ultimate Hustler. Yes. Yeah. And there was an episode where basically he gave them artists that he was affiliated with and they had to basically they had a, a budget and they had to put on a show for the that artist and and you know put them out there. So that means they had to cover the artist's rider, make sure the artist got to and from the the, the show, um, you know, make sure flyers and promotions were done, etc. Right. So at the time he had Graf on his label, he had, what was the name of that dude that, uh, Rel. Oh, yeah. Remember Rel who was on, on the Rockefeller, the singer? Singer Rel. It, it yeah. was Rel and then MOP was the third right. group. Oh my God. So they, so each group had, had their own things to do. So the, the group that got MOP, their writer was like, <laughs> their writer was like, we want a limo. We want two buckets of chicken and we want something else. It was like something else ridiculous. I think it was like, oh, I think it was like a gallon of Hennessy or something like that, right? So they get, <laughs> they all they get in the in the in the limo to go to the show. MOP wants to stop off at the strip club. Fox is like, yeah, Shay, we gotta go to the strip club, Shay. We go. So they like are struggling just to get them to the show. Yep. So finally they, you know, they they do whatever MOP wants. MOP's being like super hardcore. They get they get MOP to the venue to do the show. MOP gets there. They start doing the sound check. The sound man's fucking up. Yo. I think it was fame. Walks over to the sound man. The the DJ's set up. The sound man is standing behind him. He just takes a bottle of water and just pours water all over the turntables. And I mean, like, this is like legit vinyl turntables. Water all on the soundboard, the turntables, whatever. He's like, F y'all, blah, blah, blah. I think they ended up like pushing the sound man's table over. And then they like just don't perform. And then of course Dame Dash is like, what the F? Like, you you know, you this is y'all job. You supposed to, you know, do X, Y, Z. But yo, MOP, 
there's a lot of people that talk about things and they don't live what they're talking about. MOP is the exact opposite of that. They might be that. the realest group of all time. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. I can see anyway, that. So, Lauren Hill, Miseducation. We can. Well, obviously. So, yeah. So, Lauren Hill, Miseducation, released August 25th. Look, this is, album is obviously worth an entire episode. However, we did do an entire, we episode. Did do an entire episode on this, and we, we featured Sham. So, right. I don't have any additional things to say other than I can see her point, but it doesn't sway me from the idea that this album is great. Do um, you want to talk about Robert Glasper's thoughts well, and then her yes, because well. um, yeah. because Panama actually wrote a very interesting article in Very Smart Brothers yeah. about her response yep. to the things that Robert Glasper was saying, uh, and you even shouted out Sham's article as well. So I you want to touch on that a little bit? The floor yeah, is yours. I mean, let me just stay up front. I've never loved Miseducation like everybody else does. Okay, okay. I acknowledge it as a classic. Like okay. when everybody decides that this album is that important and all this, I I step back, I fall back, I acknowledge it. Right. I don't love it as a body of work the same way, but whatever. Mm. I oh Lauren, oh punchline Lauren. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. She had bars. It's it is <laughs> it is such a shame where she could have been yeah. to where she is. And I, I don't yes. know if that's our yes. fault for putting these lofty expectations no. or if it's just she knew she couldn't get there. So she turned into this version that, you know, kind of like said, I don't think that's it. The Here's the thing. It's not yeah. our fault. It's not. Well, no, because not her being late, here's like, the reason why it's not our fault right. is because the reason why this album is so good is because we said it was so good. We all <laughs> bought the album, yeah. so it's not yeah. our I have fault. An autograph. For I have, I have yeah. an autograph, and I went to go yeah. stand in line in North Lake Mall in Atlanta to get her autograph. Yeah. Do you think that the Wyclef involvement, both from the perspective of as a muse and as a a musical collaborator, was part, if not the potion that created what we got in from this from album. What I and that's told, why the later stuff doesn't sound. What I was told from someone who actually went to Columbia with her for like a semester or two when she was there before she dropped out, he was basically saying that like the things that she became, like that's not who she was growing mm. up. You know, she's just a regular old girl, suburban girl, whatever, like good family, this, that, and the other. Like, mm. and when she got involved with folks who were about like some complete, had a completely different perspective on, on life, mm. like it just kind of warped her head and she wasn't ready for that. Mm. I'm not saying it as well as he, he did, mm. um, because obviously he, he's met her before. I don't know, because, because there is a video and you've probably seen it. There's a video of her and J. Ruta Damaja having the most hotep conversation ever in the middle of a cipher with a bunch of people around them. They rap a little bit and they talk about the future of the black man and etc and it sounds like a lot of this type of lauren that we're hearing today the thing with lauren and i thought it was interesting that she decided to write that long mm -hmm. that long thing is just mm -hmm. that i think she's right in, and what i said was i think she's right in a lot of ways but overarchingly she's still kind of a fuck boy if there was a, whatever yeah. the, whatever the version for a woman is you know what i mean like she's yes your name is on the brand you're all these right. things, but you ruin this shit yourself you yes. know you your name is on the marquee. Yeah. Don't fuck that shit up. It's yeah. your name. Like, your yeah. name carries so much weight. And we were all willing to give you all the passes for everything. But you yeah. out here taking on the Catholic Church, talking about you ain't going to pay taxes for various <laughs> reasons. You ain't showing up the shit on time because right. you're fucking alignment with blah. Like, nigga, please. Like, <laughs> there's only so much bullshit people going to take. Yeah, agree. For so long. Yeah. And 
for me, it's a struggle because I don't even like the album that much. Like, <laughs> I don't even like it. And I, I will say though, I think we took maximum bullshit from 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 Lauren. The fact that we're still talking about Lauren and this album in 2018 from somebody who didn't give us anything else with the, I mean, the unplugged album, yeah but didn't really give us anything else of this caliber ever again. And see, this is my argument too. I don't know that this album is that good to sustain everything that we that we keep talking about. Like, and that, that's always that my struggle be because again, I know that people love this album and view it as a classic for what it was and mm. I acknowledge that. But as an actual just body of music and work, like, is it really that good to have transcended to the point where 20 years, she can literally live her life touring this one album. Yeah. yeah. And that's what she's gonna fucking that's have what to she's do. Doing, yeah. Like, don't be cruel to me is a transcendent album. Yeah, back uh -huh. to Bobby Brown. Like, uh -huh. and if he tours the rest of his life on that, I get it. I understand everybody else feels that way about this mm -hmm. album. I yeah. just don't understand it. That might be fair. I put it there, and and the other thing is, I think that a lot of times when we have these conversations, we omit Lauren's contribution to the Fugees, right? And I think that the Fugees are are really? very you think very we important. Omit her well, I think a lot of a lot of, a lot of people are like, she only had one album. What did, what did she well, do besides Miseducation? What I would say is, lyrically, she's stronger on the Fugees Fuck album. Yes, and she's um she's dude, she's, she's got my fucking almost one of my favorite verses of all times on fucking Zealot where yeah. she hits. The, you know, and even after all my logic and my theory, I add a motherfucker. Like, that's literally my life's yeah, ethos. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. entire VZ <laughs> writing career, I owe to that line. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I just She's think, trying you, to know, sell on the you know, and maybe part of it is, you know, I, we're, we're in a we're in a hot take society. So it's like the hot take right now, you know, we're dragging Lauren and, and that's great. But like, let's not forget what her contribution was there. And then additionally, what the Fuji's contribution was to hip hop. Right? She's like, on my, you were probably going to disagree with this, but she's on my second Mount tier. Rushmore of, of hip hop. And that, that doesn't mean that yeah. she's one of the four greatest MCs. But like like Grandmaster Flash is on my Mount Rushmore of hip hop as well. Oh, okay. So, but she's on there just because her work on the Fuji's on the score in particular merits that. Yeah. I mean, for me, she's in my like tier one of. Y'all done an so. episode on the score? No. No. We it's uh, ninety six. Please it was invite me. For it's nineteen ninety five because yeah. I have some very interesting thoughts about that shit. Yeah. Nineteen ninety five. One of my favorite albums. Don't get me wrong, but oh, I, for sure. I I listen yeah. to it a lot, and I. The way that I listen to it now versus what it was back then is very interesting, like just from a technical <laughs> perspective and all that. So I would yeah. love to talk about that shit. We definitely should. So, so we can okay. uh, we can move on though to, to close out August and to close out 1998. We've got 40 Days and 40 Nights released August 25th from Exhibit and we did a put you we, up on we did that. a put you up on yeah. it um it's an album that you know I had you can make sure that I listened to and I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, the production on it is great. Exhibits a little bit of a one-trick pony, but not enough that I can't. He's a really good one-trick pony. Though. He is. Agreed. He is. Especially at this time frame. Yes, yeah. he is. So, but did you, you have any thoughts a, on this album? I don't have any. So I, I like Exhibit. I like the album. Right. You know, yeah. All right. So we we got a long episode. What we'll probably yeah. do is, is break it down into two parts. So we'll release the episodes uh, in a part one or part two.